From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we're going to be talking all about self-care, what it is and what it's not, and why self-care is not selfish. But first, I have a freebie. If you go to the show notes at thecareministrypodcast.com, you will find a checklist of self-care ideas that are not expensive and don't take up a lot of time. These are helpful for yourself because we can all use some reminders, but also when you're caring for others, this is a great tool that you can just print off and hand to people who are stressed, overwhelmed, or perhaps they're caring for loved ones and are having a hard time implementing self-care for themselves. So go to thecareministrypodcast.com, find this episode, episode 44, and grab the checklist of easy to do self-care ideas. We often hear that self-care is selfish, but I would say self-care is not selfish. But I could see why people might think that. It kind of says it in the name. And the whole notion of self-care really has become popular within secular humanistic thought. However, the concept of tending to your mental, spiritual, emotional, social, and physical needs is found in the Bible, and like many other biblical principles, it has been distorted. Self-care has been found to be a core building block for surviving and even thriving in ministry. And in this episode, we are going to talk about what self-care is and how it doesn't have to take a lot of time, energy, or money to do. A research study was done in 2013 on what makes those serving in ministry resilient. 73 pastors representing 26 states met three times a year for six years. Now that is commitment to research. Their conversations were transcribed into thousands and thousands of pages that all centered around one question. What does it take to survive and thrive in pastoral ministry? Now, report the research says that they have come up with seven primary themes. Four of them are what you would expect in their spiritual formation, emotional and cultural intelligence, a healthy marriage and family, and strong leadership and management skills. However, the fifth theme of being self-care, this isn't really traditionally considered in leadership, but the study determined that self-care was absolutely necessary to develop a resilient and fruitful ministry. They identified that self-care involves a pastor taking time to tend to their spiritual, emotional, physical, social, and mental needs, and it was absolutely necessary for pastors to thrive. Now, I understand this may not be new information. Everyone's probably rolling their eyes. We have heard countless times that to be healthy and avoid burnout, we need exercise, to eat well, to get good sleep, and to have some downtime. But if all you think of are vacations, green smoothies, and perhaps going to the gym when you hear self-care, then I am not surprised that self-care maybe has moved to the bottom of your to-do list because all of these things take time 
time, which you don't have a lot of, and money and a ton of effort. They become just one more thing on an already very long list of things that you should be doing. And oftentimes we have mindsets or beliefs that deter us from actually doing self-care. Beliefs like self-care is selfish. But self-care is all about accepting the love of God as his children, not fulfilling selfish desires. We are to find rest, peace, joy in the love of God. And out of that overflow of love, we are able to serve others and care for others. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul describes ministry as being poured out as a drink. Caregiving and offering empathy to others is giving of ourselves. And it is self-care or tending to those five things, spiritual, emotional, physical, social, and mental health needs. By tending to those five areas, we are filled back up. Our cup is filled back up. These things don't need to be expensive, time-consuming, or take a lot of energy. And if it doesn't rejuvenate you and strengthen your relationship with Christ, well, then it's probably not self-care. And I, too, have fallen prey to labeling self-destructive things as self-care. Things like just needing to binge on Netflix and then you find yourself up until like one or two in the morning. Or enjoying a bag of chips in peace and quiet or chocolate bars or a box of Oreos or any of the, a tub of ice cream because you're worn out and you just want to be soothed. And while resting and enjoying food, those are part of self-care, we push these limits too far out of desperation because our tanks are completely empty. Now, living in Canada, just about every new driver learns that in the winter, it's really important to always have at least a quarter tank of gas. Otherwise, it could freeze. The gas tank, like the gas actually freezes and leaves you stranded. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't know if this is just an old wives tale that has been passed down because honestly, I've never known anyone to have their gas tank freeze, but that's beside the point. The point is, is that in the wintertime, it is very common and very important that we become more aware of our fuel levels. We can't rely on the gaslight in our dashboard to tell us when we are empty because in the winter, we are more susceptible to running out of gas because it freezes. And we need to be more mindful before trips or even before cold snaps. And self-care requires the same awareness. As caregivers and leaders, we are constantly giving out. And so there's a higher risk of being depleted waiting until the weekend, waiting for that vacation or sabbatical. It, it, this, is, this may be too late for many of us. One of the subtle indicators that we need to be refueling is what I call the must-be-nice syndrome. This is when we are engaging with others and they're sharing all the things that they're doing that we would be classified as self-care. Things like they went for lunch with a friend or they just finished a new great book or they're having fun with this new creative hobby. Or maybe it's simply that they had a relaxing evening. Of course, on the outside, you're polite and you're nodding your head and you're saying, oh, that sounds fun. But on the inside, in your head and in your heart, you're thinking, oh, that must be nice. Wish I had that opportunity. When you find yourself experiencing that must-be-nice syndrome, this is a red flag identifying that you need to prioritize some sort of self-care habit or rhythm in your life. 
Oftentimes we think that self-care takes a lot of time, but really it can be as simple as using your commute to intentionally transition from work to home or vice versa. I often encourage people when they're going to work or an event or a service or a meeting, feel free to listen to music, podcasts, get yourself kind of into the mindset or pump yourself up. But when you are coming home, when you're on your way or coming away from your meeting, turn everything off. Lower all stimulation and noise when you are returning or you're coming away, or sorry, when you're returning home. This allows you to process what you hear, what you saw, and it gives your body and time to rest and transition before walking through those doors at home. Self-care can be as simple as eating lunch with real food at lunchtime at a real table. Oh, many of you are wishing for that, myself included sometimes. We often eat in meetings, at our desks, in our cars. We're grabbing a bar and on the go to a hospital visit or a home visit or a phone call. But developing the habit of eating food in, at lunchtime at a table and, and using that time to rest and, and, and pause in midday, you are able to nourish your physical body as well as your mental body, your mental self. Self-care could be developing a bedtime routine to allow for better sleep and even adjusting your notifications on your devices so you have more peace of mind and you're not being distracted at every ping and every peep. Self-care is an intentional action that tends to your spiritual, emotional, physical, social, and mental health needs. And it aligns with Philippians 4.6, where it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about these things. If this word self-care is difficult for you because it suggests selfishness or that word just doesn't sit right, feel free to use the name soul care, the word soul care. I really don't think the name or what you call it matters as much as the practice or the regular rhythms within your life. The goal of self-care is not to indulge in selfish desires, but is to live out the great commandment, which implies that we are to love one another as we love ourselves. God wants us to be kind to ourselves, and the results of that are being restored and refilled. And yes, we in turn have become strengthened so we're able to give to others again, but that's not the sole purpose. God wants us, you, me, to have a healthy, peaceful life, and that requires us to take care of ourselves. Unfortunately, many people, Christian leaders included, Treat the great commission of going and doing and being and, and being busy as though it trumps or is more important than the greatest commandment of love. Another myth that is self-care is too expensive. Now, self-care activities, they are nourishing and rejuvenating. They don't actually have to be extravagant or expensive. A favorite self-care practice of mine is stretching or going for a walk during my work breaks or on my lunch. Self-care is tending to those five needs, and I often tell people to start small. Eat, sleep, 
and move. (laughs) Roll your eyes all you want. These three things are transformative, and they are commonly the first things discussed in counseling. For well over a decade, I have been counseling people and working with people who are struggling with their well-being, and these are the core foundations we encourage people at the front, at the very front. If you can get the sleep you need at the time you need it, meaning that you sleep at night and you're awake during the day, and if you can eat food that it nourishes your body regularly, and you move every day, having these three habits in your life will transform your mental and physical health. It creates a strong foundation for you to flourish. Without healthy sleep habits and nourishment and movement, every area of your life can struggle. Self-care isn't fancy vacations, Starbucks every morning, and a costly gym membership. Although those things can be lovely, that is not what self-care is. Self-care is meeting your basic needs. Some people label vices or unhealthy behavior as self-care, and therefore it's received this reputation that self-care is enabling poor choices. But this isn't true. As per the definition, self-care is an action towards self-preservation. It, it, it preserves or, or renews us. And just like I mentioned, self-care aligns with Philippians 4, 8. And not to belabor the issue, but I have heard many people call unhealthy numbing behavior like scrolling or binging on TV as self-care. However, by doing this, if the results are, stra- are, are exhaustion and stress and a person who's not able to function very well the next day, well, then I would argue that staying up late watching the movie or scrolling your screen was not self-care, but it was numbing behavior or indulging in that desire to want to watch that movie, which movies aren't bad, but is I would not definitely not call that self-care. Self-care strengthens you. It doesn't deplete you. It promotes your health. It refreshes you. It's not an excuse to indulge in impromptu, good-feeling activities that leave you tired, depleted, and compromise your health. Now, I hope and the goal is that we regularly practice self-care activities and rhythms so that we don't become or we avoid being so depleted that we want to numb out and escape. Now, the final myth is that we uh, that we're going to look at is that self-care is lazy. Now, the basics of self-care, like I said, are eat, sleep, move. And I want you to take a moment and think of someone who engages in this activity in these activities in a really healthy way. Are those people who have a proper diet, who eat healthy, who regularly exercise and get enough sleep lazy people? No, of course not. These are the people that we look to as being motivated, disciplined, and who are strong leaders. So why is it that when, we, when we're struggling and we desire to care for ourselves and get the rest that we need or have the nap, then why do we think that we're lazy? But when we think of others who are engaging in self-care in these areas, they are leaders and highly respected. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all turn into highly disciplined athletes who eat a whole food diet because that is not realistic for most of us. But the myth that participating in self-care is lazy, that needs to go because it's just not true. People who practice strong self-care habits are disciplined leaders. Now, hear me out. Self-care is not the golden ticket or it's not a magical wand that's going to solve all our problems. I wish. But it's absolutely necessary if we want to have any longevity in ministry and in supporting others. 
Psalms 23.1 speaks to the restoration that God wants for our lives. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we can just stop right there because I can't think of how many times on a Sunday evening or at the end of my weekend, I was like, oh, I just want one more day. I did, that was not enough. Or I want more time or I want more sleep or I, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Imagine living a life where you did not want. That is just mind blowing right there. God, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That sounds nice. (laughs) He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Man, that scripture is so refreshing and is the heart of God and how he wants us to live our lives. From the very beginning of time, God modeled having rest by establishing a Sabbath. In Hebrews 4, 9-11, we are encouraged to keep the Sabbath just as God did so that we can have rest and not be tempted into sin or to fall. Self-care is not selfish, lazy, enabling, or indulgent. Self-care is tending to our human needs for refueling. Self-care is seeing ourselves as children of God, worthy of His love, and accepting that we're not perfect and require care for those five core needs, for our social, emotional, spiritual, and physical needs. It's not a sin or a weakness to need refueling. It's just being human. And as leaders, I encourage you to consider how often you tend to those needs. What practices have you put in place to ensure that you don't go past a quarter tank? Keep an eye out for that must-be-nice syndrome and learn what refuels your tank because it's different for every person. In your care for others, I encourage you that you recognize that self-care is often put to the bottom of the list. So when someone is facing a crisis or struggle, encourage them to practice self-care because it will build their resilience. Use that cheat sheet of ideas to encourage people to have regular rhythms of self-care in their life. I appreciate you listening to the podcast and I hope it was helpful for you. If you enjoyed this episode, could I ask you a favor? Would you be able to write a review? This is going to help other people find the podcast more easily. And then if you follow, you're going to be notified when new episodes go live. Thanks for connecting. Take care.